You do not want to miss this episode. Charlotte interviews Deborah Heslin, who is an expert in the field of emotional resilience. This episode is going to be a total game changer for those couples who wish to make critical shifts in their own stress management. If you want to be more empowered in your communication and in your relationships, buckle up. This episode is for you. Did you know the average couple waits six years to get help in their marriage? Yeah, that's six years of pain, hurt, and frustration. Hi there, I'm Charlotte Snow. And I'm Robert Snow. And welcome to Master Your Marriage. Where we believe that having an amazing marriage should never feel like hard work and shouldn't be a guessing game. This is the show for married couples who want to discover a scientifically proven approach to building a masterful marriage and have fun while doing it. So if that's you, you're in the right place. Let's dive in. Well, we are feeling really excited and grateful today to have a very special guest on our show. And she is first and foremost an incredible human being. You will never meet someone more genuinely compassionate and caring. She is what I like to think of as congruent, meaning she's the same person off camera as she is on camera. And her name is Deborah Heslin. And Deb and I have been colleagues for a while, and we met because we're both trainers of neurolinguistic programming. But I know for Deb, that wasn't always the case. Uh, Deborah came from a um, high-powered corporate America job and found herself really caught up in all of the associated stress and overwhelm that can come with that. And she realized oh, there has to be a better way. And Deborah is now a high-performance coach. She is a trainer also of NLP, hypnosis, timeline therapy, and a few years ago, I noticed that she was also now a trainer for HeartMath Institute. And when I saw that on her social media, I was immediately drawn to that and immediately enrolled in her course because I knew that that would be a game changer for our couples and that we work with in our couples coaching. So hello, Deborah. Thank you so much for being here and for being on our show today. Oh, it's completely my my pleasure. And sometimes when I listen, when there's an introduction, I'm like, oh, is that me? Did I do that? And it it kind of surprises me sometimes because when I was in corporate America and caught up in all those uh, all those dramas, I didn't have the tools that I have today. And you know, in the heart math, is just so simple and it works to, to help us build that resilience and and get into a better state of of being ultimately where we want to be instead of where we might be heading. So true. And obviously, when we learn those things for ourselves and we apply those tools to our own lives, we can't help but not share those things with other people. So that's why you're here today, actually. So for those who have never heard the word heart math before, they've never heard of heart math, which has actually been around for a really long time. Can you just give us a really high level big picture of what heart math is and why we should care about that? Yeah, and it's interesting because HeartMath itself is the institution. And underneath HeartMath, like it's maybe the name of an airline, and then what do they do within that airline? So HeartMath is the name, is the brand, and and underneath that they teach various tools and techniques to help us build and sustain resilience or coherence as they're now actually calling it. They've updated certain things to go with 2023 and beyond especially since uh, COVID and a lot of us working over, over Zoom or, or remote. So they've helped with new tools and techniques for those circumstances. So HeartMath is the name of the organization. 
if that makes sense. And then underneath that, there's different levels of what you can learn about their various tools and techniques. And I'm a trainer of their HeartMath for Teams and uh, the HeartMath Coherence Advantage. I think most people are familiar with the term emotional resilience, and they have some they have some idea of what that is. I think perhaps some people aren't as aware of what the word coherence means. What does that mean? Yeah, and it's, I love that question because coherence can mean, like if you think about it, people can take coherence as oh, they're incoherent in their speaking. What have they been drinking or things like that, right? But, but heart math refers to it, what is your heart rhythm's variability? What is your heart rate doing in that moment? So a state of coherence is that no matter what is going on, your mind and body are connected and are actually flowing at a good rhythm for you, where you're not going to react, as we know in NLP, where we react to certain situations. We end up going to a place of, of regret. So it, it teaches us with all, there's four systems that we have inside of us, which is the mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual. And so how do we get in balance in those four systems, if that makes sense? So what are we doing mentally? Thoughts are racing. What are we doing emotionally, the emotional resilience? And you know, some of the things that, that they will teach, this excites me if you can tell, some of the things that we're emotional beings. So everything we do, we respond from an emotional state. And so in that emotional state, it, it's like, what am I feeling in my body right now? And then when it affects the mental, because the mental and emotional can be triggered together, it's what story am I telling myself around this situation? Am I going into the blame? Is it a, is it a horror story that I'm telling myself or, or an adventure? Or is it maybe a love story that I'm telling myself? And so with that, what emotional state am I feeling? Because basically, we see the world through how we feel. If I'm feeling uh, angry or frustrated or annoyed or any of those emotions that HeartMath refers to as depleting emotions, they're not right, wrong, good, or, or bad because we're going to feel them. It's then recognizing it's draining out in the battery. And what can we do in that moment to what I like to refer to? We shift, we're here and we reset so that we ultimately get the outcome, especially with couples. What do we want? A happy marriage? Happy relationship? So what can I do to shift and reset in that moment? And then they provide tools and techniques for us to do in that moment to shift and reset to ultimately get the outcome that we're wanting to have. So good. And what you said a moment ago, you said we see the world through how we feel and I would add to that, we see our relationship, we see our partner, right? We see everything through how we feel. And so if we can take responsibility, take for our own state, then we can show up in a, in a, in a fully expressed higher version of ourselves. And if both partners are doing that, we're bringing the best of both of ourselves to our relationship. And we can allow our relationship to help us to grow. So one of the things we talk a lot about here on the podcast, and I think I'm just going to take your, these concepts and, and apply them to some of the things we've shared really um, in the past, is that 
Um, when we look at, and Robert and I are big fans of, you know, the Gottman research, and we utilize the Gottman research in, in all of our coaching. And as we've talked about on the podcast before, they've spent decades researching couples and which couples stayed together and which couples ended up maybe together but miserable or which ones ended up divorcing. And they came up with eight predictors for divorce. And all of those predictors came from watching how couples did conflict. And what was the common denominator between all of these couples that ended up getting divorced? So we can look at all of these things, you know, one of them being that they, the couples that were happily married, they were able to maintain positivity even when they were disagreeing because all couples have still are, no matter what, they're still going to disagree on things. But the successful couples were able to maintain a five to one ratio of positivity to negativity. Also, couples that ended up divorcing down the road, which by the way, they had 90 to 94% accuracy in predicting which couples would separate based on these things I'm talking about. The ones that would have this escalation of something they called the four horsemen, which is criticism, contempt, stonewalling, defensiveness. So these very toxic communication patterns would come into play. And something called another really big indicator for divorce was chronic states of being emotionally flooded. So emotionally flooded is when what you're talking about, how we feel is coming out into the outside. So on the inside, we are, our heart rate is racing. It's, you know, 95 beats a minute, 100 beats a minute, 160 beats per minute. And once we get into those states, those stress hormones, the cortisol, the adrenaline, everything starts rushing and we start to become a totally different person. We do not act like the same person, the loving, caring, compassionate, empathetic human being that we are. We become the worst version of ourselves, the least version of ourselves, rather than being able to bring the best version of ourselves. And so why I've incorporated your work into our coaching and why we share it with all of our clients is because if you look at all these predictors for divorce, what do they all have in common? an inability to have emotional resilience, an inability to emotionally regulate, to get themselves back into that state of coherence. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Right? So that's why it's so important. No, I love everything that, that you're saying there. And you know, what is resilience? Resilience is the ability to bounce back from something that has happened in, in that moment. Right. And so HeartMath also says it's also the ability to prepare for so in other words, we know things are going to happen. We're going to have disagreements. We're not going to, unless we marry ourselves, and I have disagreements with myself, we're going to have disagreements, right? Part of me wants this, part of me wants that, and so I'm in a conflict with myself. So of course we're going to have conflicts in relationships, but I love what they utilize with the ability to prepare for this happening. So what happens inside of us, because it's our internal world we want to take care of, so that we're able to respond and respond with ability, not respond with effect, right, in order to get uh, the outcome and the result that we want. So when we respond in preparing for and we learn these techniques of simple breathing, but it's breathing with a purpose, and what happens, I'll just tell you a little bit of science um, behind it is what happens is when we breathe into our heart, our heart that is, and this is all scientifically proven, when we breathe into our heart and we're breathing in compassion or care or warmth or understanding or 
even an attitude of deep listening, that will send a signal up to our, eventually our frontal lobe, from our amygdala to our frontal lobe, which is where we make decisions. So decisions are going to be less erratic and smooth if we start to breathe into our heart. But if we just go straight to the frontal lobe and we're in a state of frustration or a state of annoyance, what do you think is going to happen to our decisions that we make in that moment, therefore our results and therefore our outcome? So if we can learn, uh, the heart actually sends more signals to the brain than the other way around. So if we can learn to prepare for, meaning practice a few times a day, we're breathing anyway. I always say to my clients, Charlotte, I go, well, anyone that's not breathing, this is not for you, right? So we're all breathing. Why not breathe with volition? And what are we breathing into our heart to get those heart rhythms in a coherent state? a resilient state. So we breathe that. I love that. You're breathing anyway. Why are you breathing anyway? So let's do it with purpose and outcome. So when we're triggered, we've already prepared for because we've practiced simple breathing of how to get our heart into what it feels like to be less reactionary and more effective on the outcome that we want when situations arise. Yes, absolutely. One of the things we talk about, you know, is defensiveness. We did an episode on this a couple weeks ago. And one of the suggestions that we've shared with our listeners and also with our private clients is prevention, this idea of prevention that we'll be able to handle these situations that we get into without defensiveness if we're not already coming into the situation with a 1% battery. So can you talk about a little bit what leads us to getting into that place of where our battery is totally depleted and we don't have the ability to respond with that higher version of ourselves? Why is that? Why does that happen? It happens because that's our patterns, right? So we repeat the same patterns and we're going to have, it's kind of like if I had a water bottle here and it had a lot of leaks in the water bottle, the water would drain very fast which is like our emotional resilience and our emotional responses. So unless we recognize, we stop in that moment and go, oh, we, we have that awareness. And without action on that awareness, nothing changes, right? So our, our normal patterns could be, oh, he's frustrating me or she's frustrating me or annoying me or I'm angry about that. The battery is going to deplete. So the more that we renew the battery by practicing simple breathing, the ba- we're plugging those energy drains. We're actually putting something around where the water is leaking out. So to do that, believe it or not, it's just simple breathing into your heart, practicing and locking it in to your heart. Every time I start one of my trainings, I start with a simple breathing technique that sets everybody up to be coming from a place of what the heart will transmit, sending out that energy, that, that coherent signal, not only to ourselves, but to others around us. Therefore, when I communicate or others communicate back, it's going to be a higher frequency than the frequency of having an energy drain. Just like when we're tired or we're overtired, how do we sometimes react or respond when we're, when mm-hmm. we're like that? Our energy is drained. Our energy is drained. 
So in order to refill our emotional energy, our mental energy, our spiritual energy, our physical energy, it lands in the physical body, Shala. That's how we know we're not feeling good, right? It lands there and that's how we, we get those aches and pains or, or, or feeling irritable or cranky. It's because we haven't renewed the various areas of our mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual energies. I imagine we can drain our battery very quickly and ways that certain things that are in our life that are that are very draining for the system. What I remember when I took your training, you had us talk a little bit about the emotional states that we get into and recognizing and having that awareness of how we end up with that. And I think that was really useful. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. That's called the depletion to renewal grid, that, the one that you're talking about there. And through the day, we don't want to call our emotions good or bad. They are information. So if we're labeling our emotions, it's done on a grid and, and we have four quadrants to that grid. So we have high energy drains, low energy drains, we have high renewal energies, and we have low renewal energies. So when we recognize what it is we're feeling and know that our emotions are normal, natural, and necessary, we can then realize where we're spending most of our time in anger, frustration, annoyance, irritability, anxiety, anger, right? So all of those things are high depleting emotions. So what hot math does is they teach you a tool to get to neutral. And then we as human beings have that choice of like, oh, I'm here and I'm spending a lot of time here depleting my energy and activating the cortisol, right? Which is an awesome hormone, except if it stays in our body for too long. So if I want to stay there, I have a choice, or I can decide what renewing emotion do I want to take myself to feeling. Because during the day, we literally go through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different emotions. This is what I'm feeling now. What, what side of the grid am I on? Oh, I'm depleting it with this high energy of, of anxiety or, or fear. Whatever that might be in that moment or irritation, let me do some breathing to bring me back to neutral where the sun can like shine and I can now pick where I choose to be and what steps do I need to get there. Sometimes it can just be what I love about the heart math techniques is they're so simple. But because they're so simple, we as human beings get bored with actually focusing on our breath. We're like, oh, that's all I have to do. It's got to be more, <laughs> you know, but, but it's so simple that if we start doing that, I do it before every podcast I do. I go, oh, what am I feeling in my body right now? I'm feeling a little anxious, right? Might not be high anxiety. It could be low anxiety. And then I go, oh, what do I want to feel instead? I want to feel uh, a sense of calm, a sense of joy, right? So let me breathe that into my heart. So it transmits to here, my frontal lobe, of now what I'm going to decide to do, to be, to have. When you say things like, it's very simple, I think sometimes some people go to the idea that it's also unbelievable or right. that this yeah. is new age or this is woo-woo or you know there isn't science behind this. And so 
What I was so impressed with when I studied with you is just how much science supports this breath work and what and could you talk a little bit about maybe how it's that's a little tiny piece of science and then mostly like the outcomes where where it's being applied like with first responders and things like that and and how it's helping those individuals yeah i mean there's so much science when i do my trainings i i talk a lot about the science in that one example i will give with uh police officers a study that was done uh, police officers were with actors. It wasn't even with real situations, okay? And it was around domestic violence in relationships. And uh, the police officers had to act and respond to what was going on in these particular events. And the police officers had pro- practiced the quick coherence technique to put them in a state of, of coherence. Some of them had had practiced this, and some of them had not been taught it. And the officers, that, and this was all actors and actresses acting out the domestic violence. They'd get the call to go to the scene. Their heart rate variability, they were wearing monitors, would go up to, like as you said in the beginning, around 160. I'm an, I work out, I'm an athlete. It's very difficult to get my heart rate up to 160, working out like crazy. So that's a very high heart rate variability. And those that had practiced the quick coherence technique were able to get their back, their heart rate back to baseline very, very fast and keep that baseline, which means what they were doing prior to getting the call. Those that hadn't practiced, practiced it, their baseline um, did not go back to normal. It stayed elevated at around 120 to 140. And for some of them, it stayed that way for the rest of the day and did not come back down. So you can imagine the pressure. It's not only putting on our heart, our pulse rate, for it to be that high to our bodies, to our mental state, our emotional state. And it wasn't even a real situation. It was just actors and actresses. They knew in advance that the people who were going to be in these situations were actors. And yet, even though they knew that in advance, their heart rates still climb to 160 beats per minute in these simulated situations. And even afterwards, those who hadn't practiced these techniques in advance sometimes stayed at a 120 beats per minute, which is still flooded yeah, throughout yeah. the rest of their day. Well, I was just going to say these studies, to me, like is like, whoa, let me practice this. Let me see what happens for myself because all the all of the science and you know, with the military, with hospitals, with doctors, uh, with schools, it's being taught in schools with teachers on on how to put themselves in a more coherent, resilient state so that they're less reactive and much more responsive. You know, so I love the statistics around um, what they do. And in relationships, we still have our work life besides our relationship stresses. We still have all of these outside stresses that we have to be able to deal with or they trickle into our relationship. And I work with a lot of, um, you know, high performance individuals. I work with, you know, doctors, trauma surgeons, you know, things like that where they're seeing gunshot wounds and things like this on a daily basis. And then they come home to their family and they don't have that tool to help them get come back in through the door, take off their, their armor, and be at peace within their own home. This is so useful for everyone, whether no matter what you do for work, but 
you know, even in our conversations with our spouses, some of the research that was done, they would you know, monitor, same thing, wear a heart rate monitor, have these couples have a disagreement while it's being monitored. And just in having an argument with their spouse, so many of them were 160, 160. And also what you're saying, what's so interesting about the 120 that you talked about is they would have these couples raise their hand and say, okay, let us know when you think you've returned to baseline. We're just curious when you think you're calm again and ready to have this conversation again, because when you're not monitored, you don't know. And most of them would raise their hand when they were still at 110, 120, and they thought they were fine. Because that, to a lot of them, that can be their normal baseline of being during the day. So that's another thing I love about this is you you get really in tune to what your real baseline could or should be. Because we through our patterns that we have, we have developed a baseline that could be a lot higher than what we really want it to be at. So we can Mm -hmm. actually lower that baseline to get it to really a good, healthy rhythm with inside us. Yeah. And, Mm. you know, I just want to say this other thing with couples. It's all about the, you know, the communication and how we're communicating. They did a study with a couple where the husband, the husband was driving and he was wearing a monitor, having come from uh, the cardiologist, you know, wearing this monitor. And his, his wife apparently said something that got under his skin. We don't know what was said, but it happens. Hello, right? It happens. His heart rhythms went up to very, very high, and he started breathing in the coherence because he knew what to do, and it, it dropped right back down. So then it's not going to continue. It's going to become a communication of ultimately to get the result that they want rather than Head, you know, heads budding, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. so well said. Yeah. Okay, so how do we do this? Well, as I said before, it's very, very simple, but it takes practice. You know, it's like anything. We we want to practice one technique with you right now, and um, this one is called the shift and lift. It's one of my favorites. So it's ultimately shifting the state that we might be in, the emotional state that we're in, because we're emotional beings lifting the vibration, right? And therefore, once we've lifted it, we're then sending it out to the other person, raising our own energy vibration. So if you'd like to do this with me, you're more than more than welcome. I would love to. Thank you. What do I do? So what all you have to do is just follow along with what I'm going to say. You can close your eyes or not, because you could do this while driving. And I always suggest it's a good thing not to close your eyes while driving. So if you're just sitting well, you can you can close your eyes. Yes, and you can also bring your hand to your heart. I'd like to do that. And all you have to do is focus your attention in the area of your heart. And you want to make your inhales and exhales a little slower and deeper than usual. So you find a rhythm that's comfortable. While you're focusing your attention in the area of your heart, you want to activate heart-centered feelings such as appreciation, care, kindness, compassion, love, 
You want to bring those heart qualities and values into your heart. And you can also activate an attitude of deep listening. And as you're breathing into your heart and you're activating those heart qualities of kindness, compassion, care, understanding, warmth, and that attitude of deep listening, you can then radiate them out to your family, your friends. We can radiate it to each other, anybody listening. And what that does is it raises the energetic vibration. I also like to radiate it to strangers and to every living creature and thing on the planet. Radiate out love, kindness, compassion, care, warmth, and an attitude of deep listening. And you hold that into your heart. Maybe for the next hour, the rest of the day, the rest of the week, whatever it is for you. And maybe you can even repeat it three times a day. Keeping those beautiful heart qualities and values inside your heart. That sends those signals to your frontal lobe. To help you make better decisions and choices. And then when you're ready, you can open your eyes. So easy. So simple. So simple. And it makes such a difference. I do this quite frequently in my own life and the results are real. You're much calmer. You just, you're more present with those that you love. You have the ability to not be distracted by all of those negative energies that and, and negative emotions that come up. And you have more choice. You have more choice in how you want to feel in our day-to-day -day moments when life throws us situations that are uncomfortable. We have more choice than we realize we have. And as Robert and I always say, there's really not a greater gift that we can give to one another than our own inner peace and calm. Because when we both bring our best of ourselves, our own inner peace and calm together, we can do anything. We can work out any problem. We can accomplish anything. And, and it just requires a little bit of practice and breathing, which we all do. So to have those uncomfortable conversations, which we're going to have, we can go, oh, I'm feeling emotional around this right now. I have some depleting triggers that are, are setting it off. Let me just breathe into my heart of what I would like to do. This way, we're going to have better communication with each other. I'm guessing what questions people might have, and I have one that comes to my mind as I'm doing that because I'm trying to mind read what other people might be asking. When you say in there to bring in and get in touch with and like breathe in those emotions of care or appreciation, 
How does someone do that if they're not sure how to do that? Yeah, that's such a, a good question. So there's lots of things that you could do. One, that you can remember a time that you experience that if you're not feeling it in that moment. So remember a time or maybe there was a show you saw where somebody was actually in that moment. You're like, oh, they were appreciating something or they were being very kind. So you remember that and you get those feelings inside your body of what it feels like, what it looks like to you, what it sounds like to you. And so you can bring that in into your actual body at that moment. And you're, you're not always going to uh, feel that if we're really triggered by something and we're in a high emotional state. However, what it does is it changes the, the state of what we're in in that moment. It lowers it. It lowers it from high, zero to 10, 10 being high perhaps, to maybe a seven. And you keep breathing into your heart check it again. Maybe I'm at a four. <laughs> check it again. Maybe it's at a two because it will lower it down. Beautiful. So the the basic steps were to just get grounded, centered, focused. Maybe if you enjoy doing it like I do, bring your hand to your chest area and focus your breath right in the center of your heart or your chest area. Slow down the breathing, which is going to activate the parasympathetic nervous system and bring us, activate the, va the vagus nerve, right? And then just if we focus on that anchoring to something, a positive regenerating emotion that's going to bring back that emotional resilience. So whether that's, what were some of the examples you shared? Care, appreciation. Yeah, any, this is where we want to start thinking about emotions that are uplifting, right? So during the day, we check in with ourselves and go, oh, that was a good feeling that I got in my body. What's the label of that emotion I give? Oh, that was, that was joy. That was laughter. That was happiness. That was peace. That was calm, right? And so with that, we can remember that that's what we felt. That's why practice is key because practice shifts our baseline rather than us being at a level of higher, we can lower it by practicing these techniques. This isn't something we should wait until we're in a really big fight with our spouse and then think we want to learn it then. That's right. That's the prepare for. Then we're not um, responding to, you know, the heart math is big on the keys to resilience is to prepare for that. So what are we doing to repair for those moments that pop up? Oh, I've been practicing this. Let me go to that in that moment because your, your mind will take you right to what you've been practicing. So been been practicing, it'll go, breathe, Deborah. Go to that heart breathing right now. But we're building muscle memory. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it's like I always refer to self-mastery is spelled W-O-R-K. So we put in the work to ultimately get the result that we want. If we want to be in that high state of lack of emotional resilience, we don't have to do anything. We could stay there, we've mastered that. Or we could start to practice what we already do anyway, but do it with volition and awareness, and this way we'll get that, uh, that different result. We'll be able to shift and reset before we're having to put out the fires later. I had an experience happen to me not so long ago, I'll just tell you very quickly if we have time. And uh, I, I do yoga pretty much every day, 
And I went to the yoga studio, and when I got there, when I came out of my class, my flip-flops, that are my favorite little flip-flops, were gone. And I was like, that's really strange. And there were no spare flip-flops left over, right? So I was like, somebody must have taken my flip-flops. So my immediate reaction was, oh, how can they take my flip-flops, right? That's what I felt in that moment. And then I said, I, I said to myself, Deb, you're really getting this very frustration, this high annoyance, little bit of anger inside of you. What do you know how to do to shift and reset? So I started to breathe and, you know, I'm a coach, I'm a trainer. So I like to live the walk and talk the talk. So I did it immediately myself. I went to the front desk and I said, um, I can't find my shoes. I said, I believe I had them with me when I came in. Uh, you know, I don't think I walk, walked barefoot. And, and they said, they helped me look for them. They couldn't find them. And um, next, next was like the next week, I had just went home. I got another pair of shoes. My husband was like, let me just order you another couple of pairs because I know you love those flip-flops. So we got two extra pairs. But to cut a long story short, a couple of weeks later, um, I went back to the yoga studio. It was actually at a different studio because theirs was under repair. And uh, the late, I saw my shoes. And I knew they were mine because they were old. <laughs> they were old, but just my favorite ones. And so I watched the, the lady put them on. And um, I just said to her, I said, wow, I really like your shoes. And she looked at me and she goes, Deborah? And I said, yes. And she goes, I know you. She said, you were at the funeral to my very best friend. And she says, I just haven't been myself in like six months. And she's, yeah. And she started crying. She says, I've been wanting to find you and get in contact with you. Can I get your number, please? I want to do some work with you. So could you imagine, had I, I have chills, that I had not shifted and reset and I went up to my shoes, <laughs> right? But because I came from that place of kindness and compassion and, and not from a state of anger and annoyance and frustration, I got a whole completely different result. It's so easy to make assumptions about other people and other people's behavior that isn't true. And we're more likely, like again, like you say, we see the world through how we feel. It would have been so easy to see her in that moment and make an assumption about her based on that irritation that you were feeling that she was a bad person. But instead, that wasn't the story at all. You know, I could have, I could have, because in my world of reality and my emotional response could have been, I can't believe she took my shoe right like that. However, what would the outcome be? So when viewed it differently first of all what a if people were watching me and i acted like that wow nice way to handle frustration and anger and annoyance deb as a coach <laughs> right so using these tools it just helps you stop for that moment so you you're feeling this which is normal it's normal natural and necessary to feel that but what am i going to do with that i'm able to shift and reset and then just respond differently, maybe with some kindness, maybe find out, ask a question. I, don't, I didn't say, I think you've got my shoes, and I know they're mine because of X, Y, and No, it's not important. It's not. It wasn't to me. And things like this are going to happen to us every day that we 
don't necessarily have control over, but we have control over how we respond to life. In that moment. Yeah. In that moment. Yep. So do you have new any new trainings coming up on this? If our listeners want to get in touch with you and, and dive into this deeper. I do. I have two coming up in September. It's the same training just done twice. And um, I have a really uh, big special at the moment because, as I said, prior to that, HopMath has uh, updated, again, a lot of their data. And I'm one of the first trainers to finish going through the new training that they're offering. So I'm doing it for $97. It's done over two days. To a Saturday and Sunday, the beginning of September. It's on my website at deborahheslinwellness.com on the front page. There's times for Europe and Australia and New Zealand, as well as the US. So there's two different time slots. One's done in the beginning of September and one's the end of September. It's such a great value. It is no. such a, I mean, you get so much for $97 and you've already right. given us so much value here yeah. today for free, which I so greatly appreciate you. Very Thank well. you so much for your wisdom and your knowledge. I will drop a, that link in our show notes for our listeners if they'd like to connect with you. Um, you know, I know this tool has helped Robert and I tremendously in our own personal lives, in our own relationship. And I know that it helps our coaching clients that we've introduced it to as well. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And it's just been incredible. Always, always spending time with you. You're beautiful. Love what you do. Thank you for listening to Master Your Marriage. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, then we want to hear from you. Just go to MasterYourMarriagePodcast.com and send us your question. Oh, and while you're there, you can also check out our retreats and events and even apply for coaching. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you get advanced notice of when the next episode drops, plus show notes and many extras. Thanks again for tuning in.